Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books in German Studies. I'm Julia Stetter, your host, and today... Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books in German Studies. I'm Julia Stetter, your host, and today we'll be talking to Hannah Engelmeier about her new book, Der Mensch, der Affe, or in English, The Human, The Ape. It deals with anthropology and reception of Darwin in Germany, 1850 to 1900. Ms. Engelmeier, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Ah, the pleasure is mine. So I wonder if you could just start by telling us a bit about yourself. I mean, what and where you have studied and how you became interested in the human ape topic and whether there are certain persons that have inspired you. Sure. Uh, thank you very much for taking interest in my work. Um, I studied in uh, Berlin. I studied uh, cultural studies and uh, philosophy. And the book that we're talking about is uh, my PhD thesis that actually appeared um, already two years from now. But uh, I guess that's still somewhat new in academia. Um I uh, have come across the question on of, of the relation between humans and apes quite early on in my studies, and I already uh, wrote my master thesis on this question, but chose um, a different uh, historical um, outline. In my master's uh, thesis, I dealt with um, how this uh, question was um was treated before uh, the rise of the uh, evolutionary theory of Darwin. And um, I guess I was uh, particularly inspired by um, two professors I worked very closely with, who also were my supervisors um, at my thesis. Um, these are uh, Hartmut Böhme and Thomas Macho, who um, are um, eminent figures in the research on anthropology as well as animal studies here in Germany. So, yeah. Um, one discussion fueled by the reception of Darwin was an argument between uh, Rudolf Wagner and Karl Vogt. And in your book, you described that they discussed, among other issues, about the existence of a soul and a free will. So I would be curious, uh, could you tell us more about Uh, their confrontation and how it was typical for the time? Yeah, sure. Um, Fook was um, um, was a doctor and also anatomist um, who was trained in, uh, in medicine in Gießen um, since the 1830s. And um, in 1847, he published a volume called um, Physiologische Briefe or Physiological letters and um, they became very famous and um, became the center of a heated debate because um, one of the uh, key aspects he uh, 
um, he wrote down there and were at the center of um, of a debate concerned um, the relation of uh, of soul and brain and how um, how um, how one um, brought about the other and um, in one a, a very provocative formulation he um, once claimed. Um, that um, the relation of the soul to the brain was um, like uh, the one of, of of urine to to the bladder, and um, that was um, uh, that was uh, something that concerned many of his um, of his um, scientific peers. And during an annual meeting of scientists and uh, doctors in Göttingen in 1854, um, there was a uh, huge public conflict with Rudolf Wagner, who was a staunch uh, Catholic and um, who um, was uh, saying that if uh, you would accept Vogt's claims, then um, this would lead to the collapse of, um, of, uh, of, of society's order because it would, um, it, it would diminish the power of, um, of religion in um in uh explaining the um yeah the, the the role of 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 man and society in in general and this was exactly what Vogt had um had in mind and um this um materialismus uh, streit as it, as it is called this um yeah uh, Uh, conflict on materialism was um, somewhat a model conflict for um, the following disputes about the reception of uh, Darwinism in uh, Germany. So this is a quite a crucial point in, um, so to say, the preparation of <clears throat> the reception of Darwinism in Germany. Mm, fascinating how um, people were arguing and how it was developing them. Um, so, okay, and in the third chapter of your book, um, you analyze the so-called ape men, and um, one example of a, an ape woman you refer to is Helene Becker. Um, could you tell us who she was and how she appeared within the discourse about the human-ape relationship? Yeah, uh, Helene Becker was not so much uh, a, a woman, but but still a girl when uh, when she died, and um, she was uh, born with microcephaly, which um, is um, a um, yeah um, a, a diminished uh, brain and uh, skull size. So, so a disability um, or. Oh. Yeah, it uh, you would uh, call it today uh, a disability. Um, people born with microcephaly um, feature um, um, they usually face face um, um, special challenge and challenges also in their development of of language. Um, but um, during um, the 1860s or the second half of the 19th uh, century, that was not so widely known. And um, Helena Becker, um, who was microcephalic, uh, was um, somewhat a, a, a showcase. She was um, brought to several uh, anatomic uh, theaters and um And scientists who um, wanted to study her um, her skull and her uh, features, and um, 
when she uh, when she died, she was dissected by um, a famous um, famous doctor from from Munich who was interested in um, doing research on um, on this uh, on this girl. Um, the discussion um, on microcephaly. Um, uh, was uh, was somehow centered on um, on a notion called atavism, which uh, is a, a condition of a human being born less developed developed than it's usually um, the case. And the uh, opinion of contemporary research was uh, such that um, microcephaly was uh, a condition so similar to. Um, to the one that uh, eight brains were in, that it seemed uh, to be a proof of the relationship between apes uh, and humans, because um, they um, they held forth um, that um, microcephaly was um, the regression of a human brain to uh, to to the ape brain, and um, uh, Bischoff now uh, tried uh, to uh, to deal with these uh, claims. But what he uh, mainly um, also uh, um, focused on were the genitalia of um, Helena, who uh, he tried to um, also uh, similarize to the ones of uh, of apes, and this is was also a very common um, focus because during that time it was um, it was. Uh, uh, widely accepted to um, describe um, the particulars of a species and also of a sex by um, by researching mainly on uh, their genitalia. Hmm, so see. it was a, a very... Um, it, it, reading about Helene Becker is uh, revealing... Um, a somewhat uh, sad uh, fate of um, of a girl uh, being born with a disability that um, <clears throat> some people found to be very ape-like, and um, yeah, um, I uh, I guess we we can suspect that she didn't uh, live a very um, happy life in that condition. Yeah, a bit sad. Um, so um, uh, you also analyze the appearance of these uh, ape men in literature, and um, they also appear in uh, Wilhelm Rabe's The Bird Song papers. And um, uh, which status do um, ape men have there, and how does it differ from other discourses? Well, um, at first, it should be noted that the ape men appearing in uh, Wilhelm Rabe's uh, The Bird Song Papers is not um, a microcephalic person as uh, Helene Becker that we just talked about, but someone who is um, made up um, as as an ape, so someone wearing a costume, more, more or less. Um, uh, and who is uh, part of a, um, of a circus, who is um, coming to the town where the um, Rabe novel is um, is said. Um, I don't think that this uh, figure differs uh, too much from um, other ape men or um, ape like figures in in literature. It's just that um, in uh, Rabe we uh, find a certain aspect highlighted that is um, also um, quite common, and that is. Uh, the role of the ape man or the ape as an um, outsider. And in this case, 
this outsider is uh, appearing at a crucial point of disorder in a uh, former bourgeois setting of a of a small town and the uh, figure also um, mirrors the role of um, a protagonist's um, responsibility for the collapse of the small town's um, orderly uh, orderly life and um, <clears throat> this is um, somewhat also a um, a mirror or a metaphor you might say for um, for the collapse of uh, of the order of the animal kingdom from the point on that you could um, <clears throat> more or less prove that um, man also um, was uh, stemming from from apes as um, was um, was uh, proposed um, by uh, by Darwin in 1859 or not proposed but rather uh, hinted at yeah mm -hmm. interesting fine um, so and um, another um, um, also famous in the human ape discourse is of course um, Ernst Haeckel. Um I suppose everybody has know has heard about him uh, so um, Could you tell us a bit uh, more about his key assumptions and uh, then describe why he became so popular? Um, yeah, sure. Let me let me start with that. Um, actually, I think uh, at least in Germany, more people learned from Heckel about Darwin's ideas than from Darwin himself. It's uh, it's quite likely that more people read uh, Heckel than Darwin, and um, this is uh, probably mainly due to uh, Haeckel's um, potential as an, as an artist. Um, many people know his uh, famous illustrations in his books. He was, uh, he was a, a wonderful um, painter or um, um, made wonderful uh, drawings that illustrated his, um, his findings. And also he uh, was um, a very um, gifted speaker and, and gave famous public le lectures that drew many people to um, to his talks that were popularizing science, um, meaning in this case that he was aestheticizing science as well as um, his um, his key um, his key concept or his key uh, Weltanschauung, as we would say in German, which is uh, monism. Um, meaning that Heckel wished to suspend the former conviction of a boundary between so-called living and dead matter or also um, of animals and um, humans. And the relationship or the question of um, the relationship between apes and humans is uh, somewhat a model case for his assumptions, showing that all living organisms stem from one sim single um origin um yet this doesn't mean that he suspended the hierarchies between um different species or um organism um uh to the contrary um uh Heckel is also very famous for his uh, family trees and uh one um that is uh, also at the center of my of my book is um the picture of a uh, of, of 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 a huge um 
tree, um, maybe a German oak or so. This picture stems from his work um, Anthropogenie from 1874. And on this um, oak or the branches of the oak, he posited um, the names of um, uh, different families of, uh, of apes and he posited man uh, on on the top just um just over the gorilla and the orangutan and um to uh, to to create a very potent image and a very um um yeah as uh, as he might have said um evidence or proof of um the hierarchy of um of, of, of man-like uh, uh, creatures and that was uh, very important for him to um, to, um, to to stick to um, the um, central role of the human in uh, all uh, of the creation that what he still talked about so his um, his teachings were um, were um, were still drenched in a um, um, in, in in more or less quasi um, religious ideas, and um, he also uh, um, uh, tried to establish his um, monism as um, a kind of uh, scientific religion, and we have to. Um, Think of uh, his anthropology as uh, as part of uh, this um, endeavor. And uh, in your book, you have also included um, many pictures, and I did like that a lot. These pictures, um, and that's nice. So, all right, um, one last question. Um, looking back back at the results of your book. Is it uh, possible to say how the anthropology of humans is uh, connected with apes? And do you find topics that would be uh, worth further investigation? Uh, well, sure, there are. Um, I mean, um, my, uh, my, my work has um, a historical approach and um, looking at the history of um uh, of anthropology, it is quite clear that it wouldn't have uh, come about um, hasn't, hadn't there been um, research on um, the history of um, of, um, of of apes. And I would also say that um, there's um, not only um, an anthropology of humans, but an anthropology of uh, of apes that is part of this. Um, of this history, and um, we can still today uh, see that there is an ongoing fascination regarding um, these uh, these relations. For example, um, in two thousand and fifteen, there was a large exhibition called Ape Culture at uh, Berlin's Haus der Kulturen um, der Welt, and um, there was a, a range of, of, of topics, including animal testing, where apes are used um, to um, to research um, uh, on uh, on uh, well on any kind of substances, um, and still um, apes are um, model um, uh, model beings to uh, research on how. Um, 
um, apes and humans build their families and and communities. Also, there's research on uh, language acquisition and such. And all these uh, aspects could be um, could be the topic of further uh, research from uh, the history of, of sciences. Oh, 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 okay. So there's uh, still a lot of work to do and there's also ongoing, um, ongoing researches, but, uh, research by uh, many, um, um, many fine uh, researchers uh, throughout Germany and also um, in other places. Oh, I see. Okay, um, Ms. Engelmeyer, um, I really appreciate, appreciate you taking uh, the time talking to me today. And I really enjoyed uh, reading your book. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a ton for being with us today. Thank you very much for having me. Sure.